0: Hi guys, and welcome back to the Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast. Please join me in welcoming tonight to start off Spooktober Part 2, When Experiments Go Wrong. In this first episode from the old time radio show Murder at Midnight, we find a man running down the road until he reaches the police station where a an officer and a well-known scientist in the community are at. He tells them his story of how he met the mad scientist who has perfected a formula to make him as heavy as lead by using a ray gun. So as the man tells his story, the two men who are listening are horror stricken when both of them know who mad scientist is his name is Dr. Brian Vance and he is a well known doctor of biology so the man ends up put ends up getting put in a cell for his own protection, but unfortunately meets his doom. And the title of that episode is called The Heavy Death. And in the second episode from the old time radio Lights Out performance, we find another scientist who has genetically altered a growing serum by using the growing serum that we as humans need in our bodies to grow. He thinks if he puts this mixture on his roses that they will grow. But not only does it not grow his roses the way he wants them to, but it also grows something below the earth. And it's not until one fatal night When his experiment goes terribly wrong. And it is called the revolting worm. And in this final episode we find a man who is sitting on death row. Waiting for his time to be called. So he calls a priest in there. In his cell to confess all of his sins and not only does he confess his sins but he also tells him a story about his life. He started out as a three-foot midget for a greedy carnival man who only wanted him for the money that they would bring and not him as a friend or a performer. So the man named Gorgo is controlled by an ape-like man named Petrov. Petrov holds Gorgol's future in his hands and not only Will he not allow Petrov to eat? But he also bans Petrov from anything that he deems necessary. Until one night, Gorgol is sitting in the dark when all of a sudden he is tapped on the shoulder by a well-known doctor who has perfected a capsule to make stunted or dwarfed animals grow. And Petrov hears the story and tells the doctor that he cannot do the experiment on his little performer without his consent. So Gorgel escapes Petrov's clutches, grabs the capsules, and takes the capsules until he keeps growing and growing and growing. And the title of that episode is called The Secret of XR3. I hope you guys enjoy these three episodes guaranteed to chill your spine for my Spooktober part two presentation of experiment when experiments go wrong and if you like the show please comment and subscribe guys and always remember to enjoy the show thanks.
1: This tube was pointing at Matson's body. When the switch went in, there was a whining noise. And then a white light shot out of it. I know you won't believe this. When it hit the body, it it went all soft. It was just like the bones had gone out of it. It just went all soft and kind of poured off the chair and onto the floor.
2: Midnight. The witching hour when the night is darkest. Our fears the strongest and our strength at its lowest ebb. Midnight, when the graves gape open and death strikes. How? You'll learn the answer in just a minute in The Heavy Death. <laughs> But now, Murder at Midnight. Tales of Mystery and Terror by Radio's Masters of the Macabre. Our story, written by Robert Newman, is a weird and fantastic nightmare called The Heavy Death. A road just outside the small town of Medford. And running up at his face white and terror-stricken in the moonlight is a small, slight man. He pauses every once in a while, his breath whistling in his nostrils. listening, Then runs on again. Finally, seeing the two green lights at the state police barracks, he moans oh. with relief. Runs in.
1: Oh, thank God there's somebody here. I was afraid. Look, officer, you gotta get me away from here fast.
3: Huh? Yeah, just a minute, Mac. Take it easy.
1: Easy. You'll be here any minute, coming after me. I gotta get away, i tell you. And I'm I... telling
3: you to take it easy. Just wait till I get through talking to Dr. Cardin Dr. here. Carden.
1: Are you Dr. Carden lives in a big white house near the river? Why, yes. Well, then you can tell him it's true. Otherwise, he won't believe me. Nobody will. It was you he swiped a big glass thing from, from your laboratory. A Geiger counter? You stole it? Well, he made me do it. Oh, now, whoa.
3: This is getting interesting. That's why Dr. Carden's here. You know anything about his assistant? Young chap named Matson? Yeah. He's dead. He killed him. Matson? Matson dead? Maybe you better start from the beginning. Tell us the whole story. Yeah, but
1: I didn't... Any time. He'd be coming after me, and... Oh, okay. Like I said, you won't believe it. My name's Sullivan. They call me Shell because I'm... Come on, with Brian's giant carnival. Weight guessing is my racket, but... I turn my hand at almost anything. You know, Shell, game three card, monty. Well, we hit town about... About ten days ago for a three-day stand. The first two nights was pretty quiet. The third one was when it happened, there's was a pretty fair crowd around, and I was warming him up for some weight guessing. with maybe some side bets when he came up. Okay, folks, okay, step up, step up, hurry up. And let Forkney Sullivan guess your weight. A cupid dollar and three pounds off, either way. Now, what do you say, lady? Your weight's not like your age, you know. Ha, <laughs> ha, it always shows. <laughs> what about you, sir? Guess your weight?
2: Do you really think you can?
1: do I think? Ha, <laughs> ha, listen to him, folks. You bet your sweet life, brother. Oh,
2: I have already. The question is, will you bet your sweet life?
1: What? What do you mean? Look, do you want me to guess your way or not, huh?
2: On the terms I outlined, why, yes, I will be glad to have you try.
1: Try, try, Sissy. Okay, folks, here we go. Now, let's see. Mm-hmm. A big man, a solid man. Hefty pair of arms on him. I say, uh... One hundred and ninety-five pounds.
2: One hundred and ninety-five.
1: And three pounds off either way and you get a cutie now. Now, just sit right down here on the scale. There you are. Hey. Hey, what goes on here? You broke my scale. Yes.
2: It only goes up to three hundred and fifty pounds. Three
1: hundred What have you got in your pockets?
2: Would you like to look?
1: Nah. No, oh, I don't know how you did it, but more power to you, brother. When I lose, that pay with a smile. Well, here's your QP.
2: Thank you. No, that's not what we bet. What?
1: What do you mean?
3: I
2: think you know what I mean. The carnival closes in about an hour. I'll be waiting.
1: He went walking off slow and heavy. The crowd stood around for a couple of minutes, gaping at the broken scale and talking. Then they all decided it was some kind of a gag and went on and forgot about it. For me, I couldn't forget about it. Somehow I didn't think it was a gag. There was something about him, the way he moved, the way he talked it scared the pants off me. I hung around for a while, getting my stuff together, and then I looked up Rube Thomas. Rube's a big guy. He used to be a wrestler, and he was just closing up his Wheel of Fortune. Hiya, Rube. How are they going? Ah, uh, not bad for one-horse town. How's it you? Oh, not too bad. Cause some wise guy busted my scale. Huh? Busted your scale? Yeah. Um, well, Rube, that's why I come over. He was a queer duck. I just couldn't figure his pitch, but he he said something about waiting for me when he closed up, so I thought... So,
4: so you thought maybe you should have some protection walking down to the station. Yeah, (laughs) That's a hot one. What is? You're on your side bets. Well, don't worry about it. Ain't no one gonna lay a finger on you when you're with Rube Thomas.
1: I helped Rube take down the wheel. Even then, we were about to last to leave the fairgrounds went out through the main gate. It was pretty dark, but I wasn't worried anymore. I'd never yet seen anybody Rube couldn't handle. Then I heard footsteps. Slow
2: and heavy ones. And then... There you are. I've been waiting for you.
4: Yeah? No kidding? Just a guy? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, Bob. What's the pitch? What's your racket?
2: Racket? There's no racket. Your friend and I had a bet. I've come to collect.
4: Yeah? Well, I'll tell you a funny thing about carnivals. When we pull up stakes and get ready to go, all bets is off.
2: I'm afraid this one can't be called off. You see, I need him.
4: You need him?
2: Yes. You bet your life, remember? And you lost.
1: You mean you... Oh, <laughs> you're nuts.
2: are uh, people who have thought so, but I'm not. Shall we go?
1: No. No, I ain't gonna...
4: Rube. Take it easy, Sheryl. I told you all bets was off, mister. Now you are gonna blow, i am I going to have to get rough with you?
2: I wouldn't if I were you. No? Well,
4: and here's one just for luck. Oh, my hand.
2: I warned you... Oh, your...
4: you... I'll break your bloody neck.
2: I'm sorry I didn't want to hurt you.
1: You won't believe this. Like you probably won't believe what happened afterwards. He didn't swing or anything. He just kind of dropped his fist on Rube's head. And he smashed in his skull like it hit him with a lead pipe. Good logic! You, you killed him. Yes. Shall we go? No, no, I... Look at
2: me, into my eyes. That's right. Now remember this. You're mine. Mine to do it exactly as I wish. And you do exactly what I wish. Do you understand? Yes, yes, sir. yes. Good. Then let's go. Something happened.
1: Happened to me then and there. Something I ain't over yet. It wasn't just that I was scared, more scared than I've ever been in my life. It was something else. When I looked into his eyes, it was like I just plain didn't count. That no one or nothing did. Then I just had to do whatever he wanted, whatever he said. We got in his car and drove to his to your place, Doc, and we stopped in front of it, and he pointed at a kind of low building behind it.
2: That is Dr. Carden's laboratory, and he has something there I need, a Geiger counter. You're going in and get it for me.
1: You mean swipe it?
2: Yes. It would take too much time to make one of my own, and as I said, I need it. Now it's a long-lasting tube about this size with filaments inside yeah, it. Yeah,
1: but suppose somebody sees me, suppose somebody comes... Gardens
2: away in Washington with that childish atomic energy condition of theirs. There's only Mats and his assistant, and he must be sleeping. If he should try and stuff you, well, you'll have to take care of him, but remember, I want that Geiger
1: counter. Like I said, it was like I was numb. Didn't have a mind of my own. I did it. Found an open window. Went in and got what he wanted. Brought it out to him. He didn't say a word. He just put it in the back of the car and we drove away. It was about a quarter of twelve when we got to his place. A big rambling house at the foot of a mountain. He took me around the back to a kind of iron door and... Well, it was, it was like out of Buck Rogers, the 25th century. Big glass tubes, dynamos, wires. He must have noticed me staring because he said...
2: Go ahead, look around.
1: There's equipment
2: here that doesn't exist any place else in the world. Yeah, but
1: what's it all for? And if
2: I told you, you'd be even more frightened than you are now. By the way, what's your name?
1: Sullivan. Sean Sullivan.
2: I'm Dr. Vance. Dr. Brian Vance. Doctor? Of nuclear physics. Without doubt, the greatest scientist in the world today. Do you know anyone else who has been able to convert most of the elements of the human body into the heavy isotopes?
1: Uh, look, I don't know what you mean, but is that...
2: Yes. That is why not only my weight, but the entire atomic mass of my body's... What's that?
1: Sounds like a car.
2: Yes, but Coop... Kook... Oh, Mattson. He must have heard you in the laboratory. Followed us.
1: Well, cool, I was as quiet as I could, be honest. Yeah, there's nothing to be worried
2: or excited about. Hello, Matson.
3: Vance. I should have known it was you.
2: Should have known what was me.
3: I stole our Geiger. You did an awful lot of strange things in your career, Vance, but this time you've gone just a little too far. This time I've got you dead to
2: rights. I'm afraid it's just the other way around, Matson.
3: What do you mean? What?
2: Vance. You don't really think I'd let you or anyone interfere with what I'm doing, do you? But...
1: I... You... you killed him. You.
2: Of course. I'll drag him over there out of the way. There's a certain experiment I'm just about ready to try, and his body will come in very handy. With Shill Sullivan staring at him in abject horror, Dr. Vance turns away from the body on the floor, lumbers over to one of his instruments, and begins examining it. And far away, the town's church steeple, clock strikes 12 for murder
0: at midnight.
2: At midnight and the heavy death. It's just a moment later. Sergeant Rowe and Dr. Carden are staring incredulously at Sullivan as he pauses for a moment in his terrifying story. Then the trooper
3: says, We did find Thomas's body out by the fairground, but it was an accident. Hit by a truck or something. You mean this Vance killed Madsen just like that? Shot him without turning a hair. Uh. Sure sounds to me like. Dr. Carton, what do you think? I don't know, Sergeant.
4: I do know Vance. I knew that he had a laboratory somewhere near here. and Well, it's true that he probably knows as much about nuclear physics as anyone in the world. We tried several times to get him to work with us during the war, but he laughed at us, said that what we were doing was childish.
3: Yes, but but, but this other business is changing himself, making himself heavy. Yeah, even
1: his voice was heavy like... Is that possible, Doctor?
3: Theoretically, yes, I suppose it is.
2: After all, Professor Yuri did it with hydrogen, made heavy water, and we've done it with
4: uranium.
3: Yes, but why would he want to do it? Why?
4: There I can only guess. For all his genius, I've always felt Vance was a little mad. It's possible he believes that by changing the atomic weight of his body, he can make it immune to
1: disease. Yeah, that's right. It's true. He said he was going to live forever. Yeah.
3: Well, go on, Sullivan. What happened after that?
1: He made me help him do things around the laboratory. Wire and stuff like that. Seems he got tired pretty easy and his hands was too heavy to do work that was delicate-like. Maybe that's why he needed someone else around. Him. Finally, I couldn't keep my eyes open anymore and I fell asleep on a cot in a corner. I don't know if he ever slept or not. If he did, I never seen him. When I woke up, it was around noon and he had Matson's body propped up in a chair against a... just a kind of a silver screen. So you finally
2: get up, eh, Sullivan. I was just going to wake you. Uh, yes, sir. I... I'm i kind of hungry, sir. Yes, food. Well, you're going to help me with a little experiment first, and then we can eat. Yes, sir. Uh, what kind of experiment? You. you mean... Why, yes. An experiment on our friend Matson's body. He won't mind just a little calcium transmutation. First, we switch on our alpha generator here. Then we make a few frequency adjustments... What? What are you going to do? You'll see. Over there, stand by that master switch on the converter. When I give the word... Yes, sir. let it climb just a little higher. A little higher. No! Oh! look oh,
5: good Lord! No!
1: No! There's a kind of glass tube pointing at Madsen's body. When I threw the switch, a white light shot out of it and... I know you won't believe this. When it hit the body, it went all soft. It was like the bones had gone out of it. it just went all soft and kind of poured off the chair onto the floor. I must have faded or something when I come through. Vance was standing over me, smiling.
2: Anything the matter, Sullivan? Don't you feel well? Uh, yes, I. I'm all right. I'm just. A... That was the most awful, most terrible thing. Sullivan, if you were a soldier and you saw that happen to the man next to you, would you feel much like fighting after that?
1: What? You, you mean you're going to do that? I'd to... advise
2: you not to ask too many questions. We'll dispose of the rest of the body later, but now
1: let's eat. Like I said, it was just about a week ago. I can't really tell you what happened after that, because I was in a daze most of the time. We worked, him showing me what to do, wiring, and soldering and stuff. We ate. Sometimes he let me sleep. Then this morning it happened. I woke up at about ten. He was standing looking at this thing we've been making.
2: Well, Sullivan, it's finished. Just a few adjustments and we were ready to go. Yes, sir. I'm profoundly grateful to you for your help. I will show you how grateful in a very concrete
1: fashion. You mean you're going to let me go? You're going to let me go? Go?
2: The... Really, Sullivan? <laughs> That's a little foolish, isn't it?
1: Well, I don't know. I just thought...
2: Yeah, I guess it is. Well... Where are you going?
1: Uh, inside to fix some breakfast. No, Sullivan. No food
2: for you. Not today. No food? No. Because tonight you're going to enjoy a tremendous experience. One I experienced myself several months ago. And the process is much simpler when the stomach is empty.
1: Process? You... You mean you... You're going to make me like you? Heavy?
2: Yes, Sullivan. I told you I was grateful to you and...
1: Oh, no, Doc. No, please, will you For heaven's sake, You're being
2: rather childish. I'm not going to bother detailing what it will mean to you physiologically. The immunities it will give you... I will merely tell you that we'll do it tonight.
1: Getting changed to become like he was, heavy as lead. Well, it did something to me. It was like I'd been dope hypnotized. All that time, afraid to do anything, gonna make him mad. Now, now I was even more scared to stay. I made out like everything was fine, and I waited. I waited and watched. And about an hour ago, I got my chance. He went into the house to get something. He didn't lock the door. I was out like a shot, grabbed his car and started down the driveway. As I went past the house, I heard a window open. Government, come back! Come back! You'll regret this! You'll regret it! That's a story. I was so jittery, I went to a ditch just outside of town and had to run the rest of the way. I don't care whether you believe me or not, whether you think I'm nuts, what you do to me. I just want one thing. Get me away from here. Get me far away, fast. Because he's going to be coming after me. I know it. Well, I'm not
3: saying what I think. Not yet. What about you, Dr. Carden? I uh, I wouldn't like to say either. Knowing Vance, I believe he's capable of everything Sullivan told us. And theoretically, everything he described is no, possible. Oh, I told
1: you. I don't care whether you believe me or not. Just get me away from here.
3: I can't for an hour or so. I have to call Bridgeton, have them send down some men. And we can really go into this. In the meantime, I'll, I'll put you in one of the detention cells. You'll be okay
1: there. Are they strong? Really strong?
3: Please. Plenty strong enough to keep you in and anyone else out. Come on.
1: Sergeant! Hey, Serge! Dr. Cardinal! Ain't it about time? Ain't it? Hey, can't you hear me? Sergeant! Dr. Conn! Oh. Oh, gee, Sarge. I was starting to get a little worried. I was... A...
2: You. Yes, Sullivan. You didn't really think you were going to get away, did you? Oh.
1: What are you going to do? You can't do anything. The cell door is locked. And it? Let's see. Hey, you see. You can't break it down. You can't. It's steel.
2: Yes, Sullivan. But steel can be smashed if it has to be. No. I told you you'd regret running away, didn't no, I?
1: No, no. I'll look, I'll come back. I'll do anything you want. I'll...
3: I'm afraid it's too late, Sullivan. No. Too late for anything but this. Dr. Carden.
4: Did uh, you hear it too? I'm not sure. But it did sound like- This way, quick!
3: Good Lord. Look at that cell door. Oh, and Sullivan. His skull. Smashed like an eggshell. Well, Sergeant? I guess I must be nuts, too. Well, or... Look, Doc. He must have just left here. If we wait for the men from Bridgerton, give them time enough to get back to his place Of those blasted gray things of his, there's no telling what he'll do, how many lives he'll cost. But if we leave right now, the two of us, maybe we can get there before him, cut him off. What do you say? You game? I'm game, Sergeant. Let's go. Yeah. That must be it. Right ahead. The laboratory's probably running back. Well, Sergeant, the lights are on. Yeah. Maybe he left them on when he came into town and got Sullivan. Or mate? No. No, listen. He's back. We're too late. What in heaven's name is that?
2: An electrostatic generator or a cyclotron. He's... Oh, good lord. Up the mountain there. Look. Great Scott.
4: Looks like a hole or something. But it's moving. A neutron beam. Disintegrating. Eating its way into the mountain. He must have found
3: some way of harnessing... Dr. Garden, swinging his way. He must have seen us. Come on, run. No good, Sergeant. Seems to have a range of almost half a mile. But but it ain't through solid rock that way. If it hits us,
2: well, so you came to see just what Vance was doing, eh,
6: Aiken. <laughs> well, take a good look. The last one you'll ever take at anything. Well, you shall be the first now, to. Did
1: you think that you were going to get away with it, Vance? What? Who is that? Take a look at the guy.
6: Gentlemen, it's too much. I've got to cut that down. And
1: what'll happen when you release the load?
6: But, but I, I've got to cut it down. Besides, you, you're a Sullivan. Yeah,
1: that's because I'm dead, that you will join me. You can't do
6: it alone. Yeah. To but I, too heavy. Too slow. Time's to it it any
5: higher.
6: Good, good, good Lord, I... The I've
2: got to cut that down, too.
5: <laughs>
3: Dr. Garden. Dr. Garden, where are you? Over. Over here, Sergeant.
2: Are you all right? A little shaken up, but yes, I'm all right.
4: The laboratory. The whole house. Look. Yes. What happened? Something something got out of control, too much centrifugal force, or the load released too suddenly and the whole thing exploded. Now there are things that we'll never know except something we knew already, that science can either be man's servant or his master and his doom.
2: And as I stand there, gazing at the smoking ruins that were once Vance's laboratory, through the blessed silence comes the distant clang of the clock in the town's church steeple for the second time, striking twelve for...
3: Murder! Midnight.
2: <laughs> to be with us again when death hovers like a dark cloud and the clocks strike twelve for Murder
5: at Midnight.
2: The part of Shill Sullivan was played by Frank Reddick. With music by Charles Paul, Murder at Midnight was directed by Anton M Leader.
6: Schobler, bringing you another in our series of stories of the unusual. And once again, we caution you, these lights out stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. And now, if you haven't already done so, turn off your lights now and listen to Revolt of the Worms. Can do is sit and think and wait wait for the floors to lift and the walls to crash facts think of facts yes a journal of facts think how it began why it's happening journal of facts until the walls crash in and the thick flesh Charles Prentice there's a fact chemist and fool fool Run away. run away, run away, run away Run away from reality war. war, war, war Run away You mean we're going to live in this godforsaken place, Charles? Yes, Claire, I remember You did say that And I said Of course we're going to live here, it's ideal for my work But we're so far away from everything, Charles So far away from what? Your friends, my friend All right, Charles Whatever you say, Charles. You never disagreed with me, did you, Claire? Why, it's so quiet up here, it's almost as if we were out of this world. Yes, I remember. Young Jackson. You did say that. I like working with you, sir. Why, up here, it's almost as if we were out of this world. Out of the world? I wanted to be out of the world. Hide. Until it's over? Yes, why not? Why not? What are you going all the way up there for, Prentice? To do my work, of course. But who cares about propagating new varieties of roses at a time like this? The times have nothing to do with it. I'll do what I please. I'll do what I please. But, Prentice, to leave suddenly like this, it doesn't make sense. Roses are fine in normal times, but a chemist of your ability, in times like these, certainly there's more productive work that you could do. I'm not interested in your opinions. I'll do what I please. You hear me? Do what I please. Do. What I please. Yes, sir. Everything's ready, sir. Greenhouse. All ready for you, sir. One week ago. Wednesday. Does the wind always blow up here, Charles? Eh? I said the wind. Does it always blow like that? Why? Frightening. Mighty less frightening than the things that are happening back in the city? I suppose so. I know so. Where's that boy? Jackson. Yes, sir. The phosphates. Are they ready yet? Uh not quite, sir. Well, so get them ready. Every one of the plants. We work late tonight. Very late. Work late and hard. That was the answer to everything. Chemist of your ability. In times like these, there certainly must be more important work than propagating roses that you could do. A chemist of your ability. In times like these there certainly must be more. Important. Oh no, I wouldn't think of that. I told myself. Wouldn't think of that. Roses. Yes, develop the greatest rose in the world That would be my answer to them While they bombed and burned I'd develop the largest rose the world had ever known And when the world settled down again I'd come back and bring the rose to them And they wouldn't care if I had Run away My plan Why did it go wrong? Claire, why did it go wrong? Claire oh. Dead You're dead They killed you dead as I'll be dead if I could only think why did it go wrong? Well, I put the solution that's left over, Mr. Prentice. Yes I do remember that was it. Oh gosh Mr. Prentice, I'm trying to understand but I'm so tired. You must keep working. The only salvation is to work. What's salvation got to do with roses? Don't be impertinent. Do your work Yes, sir. Two cc for each plant and careful. Don't let any of it touch the stem. Yes, sir Yes, sir. You weren't very happy, were you, Jackson? Those were things you couldn't understand. It isn't that I I don't want to work, Mr. Prentice. It's just that I'm all mixed up. Uh, These roses. Why do I have to pour this stuff on them every hour on the hour? It doesn't make sense. Hormones? Sure, I know what they are. Secretions from the glands in the human body. Sure, I know what they're for. Make us grow and everything. I get it. That's what you try to do with the roses. Make them grow fast and big. But how do you know these hormones will work on plants, Mr. Prattis? And how do you know how much to give them? And and how big will the roses grow, Mr. Prattis? Questions. Everlasting questions. But now I ask them. Why did it go wrong? Thursday. Thursday? What do I remember? Well, I throw the hormone mixture that's left over, Mr. Prentice. Mr. Prentice. I said, well, I throw the hormones... No open. way. Can't you see that I'm working? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. I remember. Friday. What a Friday. Friday night. Bear? Yes? Is that you? Yes, Charles. What are you doing walking out here in the dark? It's a lovely night. Romantic at your age. I just like the night. You, women, come back to the house. All right. Crazy, walking around in the dark. That's old. What's the matter with you? Can't you walk? If I hadn't caught you... It's slippery. What are you talking about? It's so slippery around here. Don't talk foolishness. But it is. By George, you're right. What? Stand still. I'll light a match. I had some yes yeah. now we'll see what Joe, <laughs> stop grabbing Put... <laughs> Worm. what worms well, what can't you see just ordinary earthworm mack crawlers we just walked over a few of them now you women with your fears and your squeamishness walked on a few worms and you make more noise and more buzz yes I remember Friday night. See, the extra hormone solution, where'll I throw it, Mr. Prentice? Mr. Prentice, where'll I throw the extra hormone solution? Where Saturday. I'm and then the night. Jackson! Jackson, where are you? Jackson, I told you to stay in the house. Jackson, where are you? Time to feed the plants. Jackson, where are you? It's not here, Charles. Uh, Claire, you startled me walking up like that. I didn't mean to. That infernal boy, where is he? Have you seen him? He's not in the house. But I told him not to go out. I told him only an hour ago he's got to work all night. The plant must be watered every hour on the hour. He went out. Well, why didn't you stop him? Oh, I have to go chase after him. Jackson! Jackson, are you out there? Come in. Uh, what, What did you think it was? Thunder. It's starting to rain. Shut the door the door I say. But the boy... If he hasn't the sense to come in out of the rain, it's just too bad. I've got enough to do with worrying about my roses without worrying about him. And don't you go out after him. He'll come back. He'll come back. Saturday night. And when it was day again. Charles. Charles, wake Hmm? up. Please wake up. Oh, where? You're on the couch. You fell asleep on the couch. Charles, get up right away. What's the matter with you? Why should I get up? What difference does it make? Listen to me, please. The boy, he isn't back yet. Huh? Jackson, he isn't back yet. Charles, where can he be? The storm you slept, oh, I Wait a minute, wait a minute. Have you looked in his room? I just came from there. Charles, where uh, could he have gone to? All through the storm. Oh, stop talking so much and let me get up. Let's go see. Oh. Must you follow me? Why didn't you wake me up? Why did you let me sleep? I must have fallen asleep, too. I opened my eyes it was day. Oh, Charles. Oh, stop old charles me. Crazy young fool. So he spent the night outside. So what's the difference? Teach him a lesson. Well, wow. no wonder he isn't back yet. Fog like this its as bad as night. Charles. Oh, right. All right, all right. What am I supposed to do? Go wandering through fog like a bloodhound, like a fool? Don't worry, he'll be back. He'll be back. But you never did come back did you Jackson when the sun came out and that everlasting wind came up and lifted the fog Charles Charles come here where uh, where are it's you back at the house Charles come quick oh, oh what is it what do you want now the boy isn't around I've looked everywhere now, Charles, what... what happened back here what? look at the ground what? who plowed this ground up plowed yes certainly plowed can't you see some crazy drunken fool plowed up the ground but during the night Charles, how could that be? You believe what you see, don't you? It's that boy. What? Yes, that Jackson went crazy. Found the plow, tore up the ground and ran away. Went out of his mind, that's it. The boy's gone crazy, tearing up the ground. Gone crazy. Gone crazy. And then, that night, that same night after I thought Jackson had gone crazy, run away, I went back to my work Sunday night. Charles, Charles, can I speak to you? Charles, please stop your work and talk to me. Haven't you lived with me enough years to know I don't like to be interrupted when I'm working? But I'm frightened. Are you? Really? Charles, stop it. Are you out of your mind? Yes, maybe I am. What did you say? Maybe I am crazy. All right, maybe I am. That's the only way I could have lived with you all these years. What? Endured your selfishness, your unbelievable selfishness. Well... Everything's for you for 20 years, everything for you. Now, that's your enough. Your work, your pleasures, what you think, what you want, everything for you, nothing for anyone else. Will you get a gentle up? little Mr. Prentiss, the scientist, the good husband who never lifts his voice. Mother in heaven, I'd rather be married to a fool with a heart in him than you. Well, I... You haven't got a heart. You never had a heart. It's you, you, and no one else. And that boy can be dead out there and you don't care. And I can be dead and you don't care as long as you're safe and doing what you want to do. Will you go away and let me go on with my work? <laughs> Charles, Charles, I'm fighting. That boy. Now there's noises. I'm asking you for the last time to go away and let me do my work. But listen to me. You've been out here all night. I'd been in the back of the house alone, and I'd been listening, and I didn't want to come in here, but I had to, Charles. Things I said, I meant them. For years, I'd meant them. All right, that doesn't matter. But I tell you this, there's something outside the house. Find out what it is, Charles. Twenty years ago, I thought you were an irrational woman. I thought I'd trained you out of that irrationality. I was wrong. I'll me, you just this once, but never again. Where are these noises? At the back of the house. The lantern handed to me? Yes. Thank you. You're frightened. You don't have to go with me. I want to know. What? That you're a fool? Well? So what am I supposed to hear? There's nothing. Hello out there! Hello! Well, what now? Listen. To what? Listen. To what? I... I thought... You heard the wind whistling through the cracks in your brain. Come into the house. Charles, wait. Wait for... Uh... Here? Yeah. So what? Give me the lantern. If it's that boy... It could be him, couldn't it? That crazy young fool playing practical jokes. If I get around the corner of the house and... (gasps) What's going on here? Charles, something moving under
5: the ground.
6: Yeah, so dark. Can't quite make out. Charles, what is it? I don't know, I don't know. Animal of some sort? Take me back to the house. Oh, go yourself. Moon will come out of the clouds. See what this is. Give me the lantern, Charles. No, I want to see. The house is back there. Turn around, and go back to it. Go ahead. All right. All right. Yes, it is something burrowing. If the moon come out, I'd see it there coming out now I'll see what holes holes in the ground all over what are they who bomb crater but that isn't possible no animal burrows but what animal could make a hole four feet across what animal where where are you I can't see you. Claire! Where are you? Claire! Claire! Where are you? Claire! Yes, Claire. Claire! I ran through Claire the night looking you? for you. The echo Claire. of my voice is still in my ears. Looking Claire. for you, and the moon was Claire under the clouds, and I couldn't see you, and I couldn't Claire. find you. And then I did. You had fallen into one of those craters, into one of those holes in the ground. I couldn't see you, but I could hear you. But which one of the holes? They were all over, ground, pockmarked with them. I ran around in the dark. I could hear you, but couldn't find you. And then the moon, it was out again. Oh, blast the moon. Why did it come out? If it hadn't come out, I wouldn't have seen. And my head... Stop it, stop it, stop it, Claire. Stop it. I can still hear you. I can still see you your body down in that hole. As I ran toward you, suddenly I saw that something else was coming toward you. Something that glistened, wet in the moonlight. Something long and slimy. A great, twisting snake. Yet not a snake. Not a snake. And the fear in me made me fall to the ground, and I saw as I lay there, I saw moved toward the hole in the ground as if you weren't there. As if it were blind and couldn't see. Like a great blind worm. It was a worm. A worm, ten, twenty, no, thirty feet long, crawling in fright to its home in the ground. And it moved toward you, Claire. Covered you. crushed you. You're dead, Claire. You've been dead for two days. Why should I tear out of my memory all the horror of how you died, of how young Jackson must have died? Well, I throw the extra hormone solution, Mr. Prentiss. Well, I throw the extra hormone solution, Mr. Prentiss. Yes, it's very funny, isn't it, Jackson? I ran away and I was going to bring back to the world the greatest rose. But I brought back the greatest worms. The hormones you threw away soaked into the ground and into them. Hundreds of little worms burrowing under the ground, soaking into their flesh, into their life process, miraculously increasing the growth of them. Until overnight they grew and grew without limit into those terrible horrors. And they are still growing. I can hear them. For the last two days squirming around the house. And over it. Great monstrous pieces of slimy flesh. squirming. Hundreds of them, thousands of them, burrowing under the ground and at night coming out of the ground. I have seen them, a sea of flesh, a sea of worms. Yes, I hear you out there, you worms. You were under the ground and now there's no room underground for you, so you come out of the ground. The world was yours first, so now you're going to take it back again. The world for the world. You're under the house. You're lifting it. The walls will fall and crush me and I'll be dead and I want to be dead. Yes, now I know why this is happening to me. I thought I could run away from the world and what is happening in the world. You hear that, you worms up there? I thought I could run away. Window, something behind me. <gasps> A worm at the
5: window,
6: head looking in, he is crawling. In, and another following, and another. They're filling the room. Worms, all around. Them. The worms. The worms.
2: Lowest ebb, midnight, when the graves gape open and death
5: strikes.
2: How? You'll learn the answer in just a minute in The Secret of XR3. Now, Murder at Midnight, Tales of Mystery and Terror by Radio's Masters of the Macabre. Our story by Max Ehrlich is The Secret of XR3. The Death House. A man sits in a tiny cell, his head bowed, waiting for the moment when he will pass from light to eternal shadow. The clock ticks on, but the time is not yet, not quite yet. Then footsteps sound in the corridor. The door opens. It's almost time, my son. Yes, father. I know. Is there anything I can do? No. Still, I'm glad you've come. Father, uh, look at me. Look at me closely. Yes? I frighten you, don't I? I terrify you. No. No, my son. Nothing frightens me except the evil in men's hearts. And am I evil? I, I don't know, my son.
1: But father, I, uh, sit down. Well, let me tell you my story, and then when I've finished, perhaps you can tell me.
2: They call me Gorgo. All my life I've been a little man, only three feet high. Perfectly normal in every way, you see, except for my height. Perhaps you saw me down at the Century Theater not so long ago, the vaudeville team of Petroff and Gorgo, acrobat supreme.
1: Petroff was a huge, ape-like man who tossed me through the air like a rubber ball. The audience liked the act. The contrast between the big,
2: big Petrov and the little, little Gorgo intrigued and amused them. And on the stage,
1: I I laughed and smiled and went through my tricks like a happy little fellow. But in the dressing room, it was different.
2: I did not like your performance tonight, Gorgo.
1: But but uh, what, what was wrong with the Petrov?
2: You were slow. You landed too heavily. You did not smile enough. But they liked this Petrov. You heard them. We got three curtain calls. We should have gotten five. Petrov, I I did my best. My very best. Believe me. Your I... best was not good enough, little one. But... Perhaps you will do better tomorrow if I lock you in your room tonight, without supper. That was Vladimir Petrov. A gorilla of a man and master of my body and soul. How I hated him. How many times I, I wept in the silence of my room. All my life I had walked in the shadows of bigger people. See, all my life I had looked up. Instead of straight ahead, endured the
1: stares of the curious and sensed the pity that was in their hearts. And that was why I used to wait in the alley near the stage door between performances because it was dark there.
2: I loved the dark. It protected me and hid me from those who stared and mocked. One night... I beg your pardon, you were gorgo? Yes? Uh, my name is Dr. Mead. I saw your performance earlier tonight. I was just coming in to see you. Yes? What about? Oh, I happen to be an expert in glandular work, particularly in the function of the pituitary or growth gland. I think the results of my recent experiments will interest you. I, uh, I don't understand, Dr. Mead. Did you ever hear of X R three? X R three, no. Well, it's an extract, a synthetic I discovered about two years ago. In my experiments to date, whenever I injected it into stunted or dwarfed animals, they grew. They grew? Yes. You you mean to normal size? Well, oh, by using controlled doses, yes. You mean if you could do this with with animals, then then you could. I don't know, Gorgo. I think the time has come to try. Except for your size, you were perfectly formed. Just what I've been looking for. I came to ask you if you'd volunteer. Yes, yes. You understand I can't guarantee a thing. I understand, and that doesn't matter. I Dr.
1: Mead, you don't know what it means, even the chance. A chance to grow to normal size. Why uh, I one thing, though, I must have your written permission. My permission? Yes, yes, Dr. Mead. I'll give it to you gladly. I'll do anything, anything.
2: You speak a little hastily, do you not,
1: Uh, Gorgo? Petrov.
2: Yes, little one. I'm sorry, Dr. Mead. I'm afraid you will have to find someone else for your experiments. Someone else. My little friend cannot act as your guinea pig without my consent. You see, I am Gorgo's legal guardian. And I have the papers to prove
1: it. No, Petrov, no. No, you've got to give me this chance. Violest
2: little fool. As I said, I am sorry, Doctor, but... But, my dear sir, if I can make Gorgo grow to normal size... If you did, what would become of our act? It would be worthless. The people come to see Big Petrov and Little Gorgo. Do you mean to say, Mr. Petrov, that you would let your vaudeville act stand in the way... Yes. I spent years building the team of Petrov and Gorgo... You think I am going to let you ruin my investment now?
5: Petrov, please, please, please let him do it. You've got shut to. Shut up, you little fool, and get inside. Petrov!
2: As for you, doctor, I wouldn't advise you to come around here again. This was a blow I could not stand. Dr. Meade had opened a prison door for me, and Petrov had slammed it shut again. I resolved then that come what may, I would have my chance. The very idea of the XR-3, of becoming a man like other men, made me drunk and gave me daring. One morning, while Petrov was away, I paid a visit to Dr. Mead at his office and begged him to try the experiment without Petrov's permission. I'm sorry, Gorgo, but I cannot. The experiment would be very delicate if anything should happen without your guardian's legal permission. No, I'll run the risk, Dr. Meade.
1: I'll be glad to.
2: I'm sorry, but it can't be done.
1: (sighs) I see. Dr. Meade?
2: Yes. Just what does this XR3 look like? Well, I made it up in capsule form. Here, I have a whole bottle of the capsules in my desk drawer. As you see, they're green in color.
1: So those are the magic capsules. Thank you for letting me see them, Doctor. Thank you very much. Late that night, I slipped
2: out of my hotel room and down the fire escape. Keeping in the shadows, I went to Dr. Mead's office and climbed through the grilled bars in the window... It was easy for a man of my size. And when I left, I had the bottle of XR3 capsules in my pocket. Well, that was Saturday night. I took one capsule, and then another. They made me ill, lightheaded. Then I fell into a deep sleep. And then a knock on the door awakened me.
1: Uh, 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 who, who is it? Petro.
3: Why are you sleeping so late?
1: Uh, uh. I don't feel well.
2: Ah, oh, my little one does not feel well. Let's a peak. Please, uh, uh, Petrov, I want to sleep. Very well. Today is Sunday and there is no performance. But tomorrow, my little Gorgo, you had better be in the best of health, understand? Otherwise I'll see that you really become sick. After he left, I fell into the deep sleep again. And then something woke me. My muscles ached as though I had been stretched on a rack. It was daylight again. It was Monday. My pajamas seemed uncomfortably tight, and I looked down, and the sleeves only reached my elbows. I stared, and my heart stopped beating. Then I remembered the XR-3. Like a drunken man, I staggered over to the mirror, looked. Yes! My head grown. My pajamas were stretched to bursting. I was growing.
5: I was at least five feet tall. Five feet tall!
1: It was almost time for the performance now. Petrov would be coming for me any minute. And I didn't want him to see me. Not yet. So I piled furniture against the door. <sighs> and waited.
2: Time to go to
1: the theater. I, uh, I can't go, Petrov. Not tonight. I'm still sick.
2: What? You little swine. Do you think I'm going to postpone a performance? Because you're sick?
4: Open the door.
1: No. Petrov, no. Don't come in. Don't come in. You
4: little fool. I'll break every
1: bone in your body. I had the key. And I heard a turning in the lock. The furniture against the door would only hold for a minute. And I ran to my valise, took out a straight razor, and then like a frightened animal...
3: I sure little... Now, my little...
5: Gorgo.
2: In the name of heaven, what? Yes, Petrov. I got it. I stole the XR-3, and I took it. Now, you see? You idiot. Do you realize what you've done? You've ruined the act. You've ruined it. Do you hear? Yes, but I'm a man now. My man, not a dwarf. They won't stare at me now. They won't... No? That's what you think. If that doctor could make you grow, he can make you small again. Smaller than
5: ever. No, Petrov, no!
2: Yes, Corgo. Huh? You've grown, but not so much that I can't handle you. We're going to see him
1: right now. Petrov, no! Let, let me alone, for heaven's sake! I've you... I... raise him! No, don't! I told you to leave me alone. I told you. And now it's all over. We've played our last performance together, Petrov.
2: A doomed man sitting in the death house pauses in his story, recalling the first time the clock struck 12 for...
5: Murder at Midnight. And now here is Gorgo again continuing
2: his story to the priest in the death house I stayed in my hotel room another day and took two more XR3 capsules and when I looked into the mirror that night I was over six feet tall that was enough that was all I wanted now I would leave the hotel they'd never know who killed Petrov they'd be looking for Gorgo a three foot midget never suspect me Yes, I was in the clear. I stripped Petrov, put on his clothes. They were a little tight, but they did well enough. Then I went through the lobby and into the night. The mere experience of walking was exciting, exhilarating, as though I were walking on a high fence. And nobody looked at me twice. The staring eyes were gone. I was normal, normal, normal. First, I had to find a place to live. I passed by a boarding house with a sign, Room to Let. I rang the bell.
4: Yeah, what is... Oh,
5: hello.
2: Hello. I, uh... My name is Baker. John Baker. I uh, saw your sign about a room.
4: Hmm. Yeah. Would you like to see it, big boy?
2: If you don't mind.
4: I don't mind a bit. Come in. Come in. It's a lovely room. We got a nice clear of people. I'm sure you'll
1: like it.
2: I'm sure I will. Uh, But uh, first, Miss... um...
1: Devlin.
6: Rhoda Devlin.
2: Yeah, I... uh... Well, uh, Miss Devlin, I just wanted to say I've been living in hotels all my life, and I can't give you any references.
6: Forget it. My mother owns the place,
4: and... Well, we're not exactly formal. Besides, you look good to me. I do? Yeah. I... Well, I always did go for big men.
2: Big? Yeah. Oh. And I, uh... I've always liked pretty girls. Hmm. This was a dream come true. I was a normal man, and a normal girl was attracted to me. She was blonde and blue-eyed, and her head came up to my shoulder. A week passed. A week that was beyond my wildest dreams. I took Rhoda out, and we went everywhere. I fell in love with her. Madly in love. She was so small, so delicate, I... I I wanted to protect her always. She had opened up a new and magic world to me, a world of light and love and laughter. And then, one night it happened. I was taking Rhoda home from the movies, and we were passing a billiard parlor, and there were several idlers in front of the place. They began saying things.
4: Hey, look at the giant! Yeah, (laughs) How's the weather up there, big boy? Hey, dearly, what do you got there, Pike's (laughs) Pete? You wait here, Rhoda. I'll shut
2: their mouth for them. All right. I crack the skull of the next man who
1: opens his mouth.
6: Please. Please, Johnny, don't bother with them. Yeah, but they're saying... I I... know, but don't mind them. Let's keep walking. No, I won't... Please.
1: All right.
4: Well, what do you know, the big baboon trying to throw
2: his weight around. I wanted to smash their jeering faces, knock them down. But Rhoda and I walked on to her mother's boarding house, and she was strangely silent as we entered the dimly lit foyer. She hadn't said a single word since we had passed that billiard parlor. I was vaguely disturbed. I took her in my arms but she pushed me away.
5: No, please don't.
2: What's the matter, baby? Is it what those men at the billiard parlor said?
5: Uh, I don't know. It seems to me you're growing bigger right before my eyes.
2: Growing bigger?
5: Yeah. Yeah. I thought at first I was seeing things, but
3: now I know it's true.
5: I know it's crazy. It's crazy, but...
4: When we first met, the top of my head reached your shoulders... And now?
2: Now... Yeah? What about now?
6: Now it doesn't reach your shoulders anymore. You've grown bigger.
2: No, Rhoda, you don't know what you're saying. This is your imagination.
4: No.
5: No, it's true. We'd better not see each other anymore.
4: I'm afraid of you, John. You're too big now. Good night. No, Rhoda,
2: listen. Oh, don't no, touch Rhoda, me. please. Oh, let
5: go of my own.
4: No,
2: not until you hear what I have to say. Rhoda, I love you yeah, I love you, and I'm not going to let you just toss me aside. <sighs> don't, don't you go. get big luck.
5: I mean,
2: no, me, me. no, stop that. No, stop oh. that screaming. You want to wake the whole let street me. up? no, Stop
5: it. You stop kill it. you big oh. stop, stop that oh. screaming. Stop oh. my Let me go. Yeah! You're hurting me. I can't breathe. Help Oh, Rhoda Rhoda Rhoda
2: No Her lifeless body sagged in my arms I'd forgotten my own strength And in my fury I'd strangled her like a man in a dream I lowered her body gently to the floor and then turned to look at my reflection in the full length mirror in the foyer yes yes it was true the pitiless mirror reflected a giant I'd grown at least six inches the XR3 had continued its work was making me grow even now now I was a freak again they stared at me again and pity me The beautiful, normal world I had so briefly enjoyed came
4: crashing down over my ears. I ran out of the house like a wild man and into the street.
2: Dr. Mead, Yes, I had to see him. at once, I ran to his office, avoiding the well-lit streets. And the light was on. And I prayed that he was in. I knocked on the door.
3: Yes, what... Good Lord.
2: Hello, Dr. Mead. You remember me? Why, no, I can't say that I do. Look up into my face, Doctor. The features are the same you looked down upon not so long ago. Go, go, the midget. No, Dr. Mead. It's Gogo the Giant now. So it was you who stole the bottle of XR3 capsules from my desk? Yes, yes, yes. And this is the result? This and Petrov's murder? He deserved to die. It does not alter the fact that it still was murder. Dr. Maid. I'm not here to argue law with you. I want you to save me. You've got to stop this growing process. But how? What can I do? An antidote. You must have an antidote. I'm sorry, but I haven't. There just isn't any. Well, no antidote. Oh, you're lying! I assure you, I'm telling the truth, Kogo. I was interested in making things grow, not making them smaller. Yeah. Then I'm lost. There's no way out. I'm sorry. All my life I was a little man. I wanted to know what it was, what it was like to be a big man. Now I am big. Too big. <laughs> Isn't that amusing, doctor? <laughs> too little and then too big, <laughs> like the swing of a pendulum. <laughs> I wish I were
4: little again,
2: as I knew what to expect then. <laughs> I was used to that. Now they'll stare at me again. They'll laugh and jeer at me. Gorgo the Giant!
5: (laughs) Gorgo the Giant!
2: (laughs) I think we'd better call the police, Gorgo. Well, Father, that's... that's my story. See, that's why I'm here in the death house. Now, tell me, am I evil? No, my son. You have been unfortunate, but not evil. You have sinned, yes. But you have been sinned against, too, and They're coming for you, Gogo. I hear. And I'm glad. Glad? Yes. Glad. I don't mind dying now. This world, Father, what has it ever meant to me? But there, in the next world, there no man will be strange and all will be equal. And perhaps there, I will find peace. With firm and measured tread, the man who was first too small and then too big walks down the corridor. And the iron doors along the way rattle and clang like the chiming of the clock when it first struck 12 for murder
5: at midnight.
2: Remember to be with us again when death walks through the darkness with giant strides and the clocks strike twelve for Murder at Midnight. The part of Gorgo was played by Carl Swenson. With music by Charles Paul, Murder at Midnight was directed by Anton M. Leder.
0: that does it for tonight's episode of when experiments go wrong for my spooktober part two if you like the show please comment and subscribe you can subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms such as spotify google apple and wherever else you get your podcasts just type in mystery and comedy old time radio podcast And it should pull my podcast right up. Stay tuned for the coming weeks, guys, as I bring such stars as Robert Young in the NBC comedy show Father Knows Best. Miss Mercedes McCambridge. Mr. Boris Karloff. Mr. Vincent Price. Mr. Red Skeleton, and many others. Join me next Tuesday, guys, as I bring you the spooky presentation of the dead go on living. And join me this coming, join me tomorrow evening, As I bring to the show, Mr. Robert Young in the NBC comedy show, Father Knows Best. And always remember to enjoy the show, guys. Have a great night. Thanks.